0: Hey, good morning. Rich, welcome. Happy Valentine's Day all you lovebirds out there. Would you stand your feet, put your hands together as we get into worship? If you're watching online or you're in the building with us, there's one thing that we're going to do together, and that's sing the King Kids. Come on. When I'm in the roughest waters, I won't go under, I won't drown. When I'm in over my head, Thank you
1: If you come to worship him this morning, come on, let's just all lift our hands. We thank you, Jesus, for this day. We give you praise. We worship you. You're so worthy. You're so worthy, Jesus. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for You, oh, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the one who only sing Oh, Jesus. Worthy of every breath ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Singing holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Oh, heart and lead me in your love to those around me. All oh, that sing worthy, worthy of every song we could ever sing. sing worthy, worthy of all the praise. we
2: you join me? Let's just put our hands together and praise our God one more time this morning. Let's thank him for who he is in our lives. Amen. 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 I love the line in that song that says, my faith above what it feels like. How many of you know that sometimes our feelings can stand in the way of what God wants to do in our life? It's interesting, this morning I recognize that sometimes when we come into the presence of God, when we come into God's house, We can so be focused on the things that we want God or we need God to do for us. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to do good things for us. Does anybody else believe that? But I've heard it said that before we seek the hand of God, we need to seek the face of God. And I believe that this morning God just wants to unlock some things in people's lives. But I think as much as anything else, he just wants us to enjoy him, to worship him, to be in his presence and to honor him for who he is today and unlock all the things that he wants to do in our lives. You know, this time of praise and worship, it's not about us, it's all about him. It's not about what we get out of it, it's what we give to God because we give him our praise and our worship and our adoration. So right now in this moment, in this atmosphere of worship, would you join me? Let's just lift our hands, let's just bow our hearts and our lives before God today and let's just invite him in and ask him to have his way, like we just sang, to have his way in our lives and in our service. Father, we thank you for who you are, We recognize the amazing things that you've done for each and every one of us in our lives. And God, there are people here this morning that they've come into this place needing a touch from you. They're needing to have an encounter with you. So right now, Father, we look beyond your hand for just a moment to seek your face, to know you more, to experience you, to encounter your presence, because we know that a moment in the presence of God can change everything in our lives. So, Father, we surrender to you this morning. We ask that you would have your way, not our way, but your way and your will be done. Not our kingdom be built in our lives, but your kingdom be built in our lives. And I pray, God, that this morning, as we've gathered to lift high the name of Jesus, that you would show yourself strong on behalf of those who are hurting, that you would heal those who are sick, that you would touch those who are needing a touch from you today, God, and that you would make your presence known in the lives of the one who needs to counter you today. Today. in Jesus name we thank you for what you will do in our lives we honor you we worship you and we praise you in Jesus name everybody said amen amen come on let's just praise our God one more time this morning
3: good morning everybody how you doing today hey it's so good to see you glad that you were here today if you're watching online thanks for joining us today. As Pastor Zach said a few minutes ago, it is Valentine's Day, and I know all of you husbands have got everything planned out for the day and all figured out. Uh, as Pastor Zach said, just tell her it's okay. It's all cool. We've got to figure it out, uh, even if you haven't. So any, anyway, we thought today what we would do is get our pastors and their wives up here, and let's just talk a little about relationships Talk about dating, talk about marriage. We've got all kinds of ages in the house. We've got marrieds and singles, younger and older. So we're going to share some things from our lives that we've learned. Not that we've got everything figured out, not that any of them are perfect. None of us are, but we are learning along the way. So we just wanted to get some conversation going today that I think might be beneficial to you. And Pastor Corey and Amber are right here. Of course, Ann and myself, Pastor Zach and Ashley, and then Pastor Nick and Jessica, uh, Pastor Jeremy's out of town this weekend. He took the weekend off to go do sweetheart stuff, I guess. So <laughs> uh, what, a, what a good guy, huh? So anyway, we're going to open up and talk for a few minutes, and I want to begin with a very simple question. You know, no two f- couples, no two relationships, no two marriages are exactly alike because all people are different. But What's one of the things that's worked for each of you couples and individually? What's one of the things that's really helped make your marriage better? Something you've learned through the years. Amber, let's start with you.
4: Yeah, I think the greatest thing that we, well, we've learned together is to communicate. Communication has been so key for us to keep us united. And personally, I've learned that I am not the enforcer. God is the enforcer. And going to God first letting him work whatever needs to work in and through me and then communicating some things to Corey is the best way that it comes out. <laughs> because when I'm not connected with God and I'm kind of trying to force things on to Corey, mm-hmm. frustrations I have or whatever, um, it doesn't work well unless I give it to God first. So I'm, I've learned that in communication I'm not the enforcer, God is.
5: Yeah, amen. Yeah. That's a good word. <laughs> yeah, as we talked about this question, uh, communication just quickly rose to the surface because um, so many people we're not great at communication, and it's one of the top issues in marriages and relationships. And so, um, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I think I kind of started um, started going to, and one of the things that my mind went to, uh, it was this huge lesson about actually. Arguing, because yes, even pastors argue with their spouse. We just call it aggressive negotiations. So, um, but when arguing, one of the things that helped me a ton was learning uh, the goal, having the end in mind. And the goal in arguing is not to win. Because as a husband, if I win, that means my wife loses. And if my wife loses, then I lose. And so the goal isn't to win. The goal is to bring about um, resolution, which typically means compromise. And um, I had this verse uh, written down, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, for us guys. It says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. The last line in this verse, it says, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. So even when we're arguing, guys, we need to honor our wives or else God's going to ignore our prayers. (laughs) Seems like, maybe. (laughs) So, yeah, communication. That was a big one for us.
3: Plus, God is a God of miracles. Right. Because yeah. he says husbands understand your wives. How many Boy. husbands know it takes a miracle? <laughs> That's why I drank drink drink water. water. She'll she'll get even with me later, so it'll be okay. Zach,
2: I know for us, you know, we've only been at it for nearly ten years, so we don't have all the wisdom and all the experiences. But the thing that we always come back to is calling. Um, calling is the thing that binds us together and unites us together in so many ways. And. Um, you know sometimes in the pursuit of your own calling you can get very single minded and um, just one track minded on what you're trying to achieve and accomplish but i think one of the things that we have learned over the years is that Ashley is not married to my calling and i'm not married to hers we are called together to do the things that god has in front of us and those are the rails those are the boundaries those are the things that keep us kind of going forward and again we 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 don't have things completely figured out and certainly not perfect but i know that calling is something that you know keeps us together because sometimes calling um, it goes beyond the nine to five it goes beyond office hours it goes beyond business hours and um, when you have to know that you know that you know that you are called to that to commit to that for life and um, we feel like we're pursuing that together not her being attached to what I do or me attached to her we get to do it together and I think that that gives us a lot of strength
6: yeah and then you know another thing that for me is that just understanding that we're different and that that's actually a good thing. And I think in the beginning of marriage, you start to realize your differences and you're like, that's different and that's annoying. And that thing that you do not like (laughs) me is annoying. And the way you load the dishwasher is annoying and that's different and that's wrong. You know, whatever it is. Um,
2: How many ways are there?
6: uh, There's a few. Um, But anyways, just like rather than allowing the differences to become frustrations, to allow those differences to add strength into our marriage. You know, the things that sometimes Zach sees things so differently than I do. And, and that just adds a lot of strength. It, it helps me to grow. Sometimes maybe I see things differently and that's going to help him. And, and rather than allowing those differences to like pull on each other, but those differences actually bring us closer together and, and just strengthen us.
7: Yeah. For us, I would say one of the tips we've kind of learned along the way is supporting each other. Um, whether that's uh, in dreams or goals in life and and whatever that may be. Sometimes that may just be to give the encouragement for the person to continue to pursue the dream. Sometimes it may mean that somebody steps back a little bit to help push someone forward, um, to share responsibilities a little bit, to to make some things happen. So that's one thing for us.
8: And I love that because um, we're we're a two-working household. And so um, we have to really make it a point that, In our family, priorities really do matter. And God has to be the first priority and our relationship with God has to be that first priority. And then after that, our family. Because I'm a better wife when God's first and then family comes second. And um, so God first, family second. And then our our ministry and our careers and our jobs and the rest of our life, that that trickles down after that. But as long as we keep those priorities in check... um, our life is pretty good.
0: <laughs>
8: you
9: know, I think one little thing for us, a very simple little thing that we've done from the beginning of our marriage, we were very intentional when we got married. We said, we want this to be a big part of our marriage, and that's appreciation. And this simple little thing has produced great results in our marriage, because we've been very intentional about expressing appreciation to each other for the littlest things, whether it's taking out the trash or whatever it is, to say thank you, to say, I really appreciate that. Thanks so much for doing that. And it might sound like a tiny thing, but it really produces an attitude and an atmosphere of gratitude in your relationship, in your home, and it prevents us from taking each other for granted. And, uh, So that's something that's been awesome in our relationship.
3: And, you know, another thing that I think a lot of couples struggle with is when you get married, especially the early days, early, you know, first year or two, a lot of people have unrealistic expectations. You expect your spouse to do this, and you expect that, and you expect that, and it goes on and on and on, and we expect that other person to make us happy. If you're married, you have a responsibility to be happy, and to help make your spouse happy, not to expect them to make you happy. So I think you have to be realistic in your expectations. You can only do what you can do. Your spouse can only do what they can do. You can't expect things from them that are impossible for them.
9: Yeah, and I think we need to think about that in terms of spiritual expectations as well. I know um, I talk to a lot of women, and as Christian wives sometimes we can have an expectation on our husband an unrealistic expectation on him of what it means to be a spiritual leader in the home because we desire that as a Christian wife but we also need to keep in mind that the Bible doesn't say um, exactly how they do that as far as it doesn't say they're supposed to do a couple's devotional with you every day it doesn't say they should be praying with you for an hour each day and sometimes as Christian wives, we need to stop and recognize what are my expectations and realize that he's going to do his relationship with God in his own way. His relationship with God doesn't need to look like me and how I do my relationship with God. And if he's doing his relationship with God, I can trust that God's going to speak to him. He's going to hear from God and he will be the spiritual head of the home and not put other expectations on him based on what I think somebody else is doing or not doing. Does it make sense? And so there's that spiritual component, but then also with practical expectations. I mean, we sometimes have things we grow up with that we carry over and expect of our husband, things that we saw our dad doing. My dad is visiting this weekend and here in service with us, and I'm so glad to have him here. But, yes. (laughs) Yes, he's 94 and counting. (laughs) And uh, one thing that he did for me growing up is I had um, every day before school, he cooked a hot breakfast for me every single day, to the best of my recollection. And for me to go into a marriage expecting my husband to do that, um, (laughs) how many wives think that would not be realistic? (laughs) So sometimes we have to be careful about carrying over expectations of things that we saw in our families. (laughs) And, you know, earlier, Corey and Amber touched on communication. And like Corey said, communication is just a huge um, aspect of our relationships. And it's so important. But men and women do communicate differently. Someone asked me after first service if I think men and women think differently. Absolutely. No question about it. That's why we communicate differently. And so uh, every relationship is going to be different. And people are going to have to figure out the form of communication that works for you. But Zach and Ashley, I want you to speak into this so we can just spend a little more time talking about communication. How have you learned to communicate with each other?
2: I've heard it said that um, the first first mistake in communication is assuming that it's taken place. And... Oftentimes we we think we're communicating, but we're not, or we express a feeling or a sentiment somehow, or even a frustration or an emotion, but we don't really communicate anything that helps to solve a problem. And I know that for us, my personality, I'm very laid back in a lot of ways, and I don't like strife, I don't wanna argue, I don't, and we're kind of the opposite of the people that are always trying to hash things out. But for me, some of the biggest battles that we have won together have been the times where we had to hash it out. And, um, I mean, without getting into a long story, we—you know one of the specific instances that come to mind was the first, probably the biggest fight we ever got in before we moved out here. We were in Orange County, and we were walking down Harbor Boulevard, like, <laughs> back and forth at each other. And the people who must have drove past us thought those people, <laughs> they just look like a mess.
3: That one won't last.
2: Yeah. And in hindsight, one of the things that I've had to learn is that if there is something that needs to be dealt with, we have to deal with it. We can't put it out put it off, we can't bury it and s- sweep it under the rug. Because if you do that, it just rises. The, lo- the more time that goes by that you don't talk about something, the more it rises up, rises up and rises up until one day it blows up and you could have solved that problem a long time ago. And I know that for me, being willing to hash it out is something that I have to do in communication with her if we want to have a good relationship.
6: Yeah, and also, you know, one of the ways that for us that we are different is in the way that we communicate. Zach is very much a verbal processor. I'm like I process internally and then verbally and so uh for me I often if I'm feeling overwhelmed or frustrated or stressed or whatever I tend to like want to just retreat and like not talk um but you know again if you're not communicating how are you solving anything how are you solving any problems but so for me it's been communicating even when I don't feel like it um you know I do you have to bring myself down to where I'm calm and not saying crazy things. Um, so if I need to retreat for a few minutes, I will. But but forcing myself to say, no, we're going to talk about this. Like I, I'm not just going to wait until I feel better and then not have the conversation. But we are going to have the conversation whether I feel like doing this or not because it's healthy for our marriage. Yeah, and I think that's important. Like
9: that taking that moment to retreat <laughs> to process because timing is so important yes. and
3: if i can throw one thing yes, in real quickly
9: absolutely pardon
3: me for interrupting go right okay. ahead guys you know not to do that without permission <laughs> uh, you know as a rule not it's not totally true but as a rule men tend to tell you what they think yeah. and women tend to tell you what they feel and it's two different things we're wired differently as a rule so Guys, if you can understand when your wife's sharing something and it makes no sense to you, it's because she's trying to tell you what she's feeling, not what she's thinking. And wives, if you want, you know, they say women's brains, the t- two sides of the brains are better connected than a man's. So, so men, we are just idiots. That's all there is to it. So, Women, be pa- we are stupid idiots. Just realize, be patient with my husband. He doesn't get it. He's saying what he thinks. He doesn't feel. Works both ways. We need to work at those things.
9: Yes. And as I was saying...
3: she's going to tell you what she feels now
9: No, just remember timing's important because it may feel like perfect timing for you but it may not be perfect timing for the other person maybe they're in the middle of something maybe they just walked in the door they've got a lot going on so find a time that's good timing for both of you and I think tone and timing So not just timing, but the tone in which you communicate is really important. And lastly, just um, Amber mentioned it, taking it to God first. When there's something major you need to communicate about, talk to God about it first before you talk to your spouse. Because then he can help you process it in a healthy way, give you his perspective on it rather than just yours. And then that will make all the difference in communication. And, you know, I think that sometimes people are afraid to get married because maybe they haven't seen healthy examples of marriage or maybe in their family history they look back and see, well, I've only seen divorce after divorce after divorce. Does that mean that that's going to be the outcome of my future marriage? And Corey and Amber, I want you guys to speak into that a little bit.
5: Yeah, so anybody who maybe doesn't know our story, um, uh, both mine and Amber's biological fathers were never married to our mothers. Uh, My dad was out of my life at birth, back in my life at about seven years old, and then gone within six months, and then I had never seen him again. Uh, He spent the rest of my childhood in prison. Um, Amber's mom went on, got married, a uh, stepdad in this situation um, since I had met her. And then when we, right after we got engaged, they filed for divorce. So what a way to kick off your marriage. And so uh, we really just come from a dynasty of divorce and, and really had never seen it done well or done right or done in a godly way. And now we can sit in front of you and go, we're going on 12 years of marriage, happily married at that. Um, And really, I mean, the five-year mark for people who have stories like ours, the five-year mark is huge, statistically speaking. Um, We shouldn't have made it past the five-year mark, and yet we did. And um, I would say that, yes, you can make it. Your history doesn't have to determine your future. But in a lot of ways, it does depend on you as an individual. And here's some of the things we've had to walk through that probably you'll have to do if you come from a family like ours. One, you're going to need to receive healing from God. You're just going to have to. Uh, Two, you're going to have to have a shift in your perspective. You will simply have to have this sort of godly tenacity and this sort of godly attitude that's like, you know what, it ran in the family until it ran into me. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to play to the statistics. I'm not going to... In some ways, I'm not even going to read or believe the statistics. I'm just going to read God's word and believe what that says and walk that out. And then some of it's going to have to be some of the choices you make in terms of what are you going to submerge yourself in and surround yourself with. See, we had no godly examples of marriage. And so we found those in the church. We found those with pastors and mentors. We found those in our church community. And in a lot of ways, found it doing what you're doing right now sitting in church week in and week out consistently under God's word made all the difference in the world for us um, and with that Romans 8 uh, Romans eight thirty seven says no despite all these things we have overwhelming victory another version says we are more than conquerors through Christ who's given us this victory so yeah yeah,
4: yeah it's pretty amazing what uh, God has done because yeah our story didn't start it, you know so beautiful but we all know, and I and if you don't know, I know that God would show this to you, but he makes chaos beautiful when we surrender our lives to him. When we say, God, I want what you want for me, I want your perspective, I want your focus, I want the life that you have, you destined for me to have, and so it doesn't matter how our story starts, it doesn't matter what odds are against us, God God can bring breakthrough in all of those areas, and we're we're walking that out. And not perfectly, that's exactly why Corey said, you know, we needed people. We surrounded ourselves with godly people um, that would help us and encourage us in a godly way and getting plugged in at church. um, Because when you get your roots deep in church and you're involved and you're in church life and you're coming on Sunday like you're here right now, you know, you begin to flourish. Your life flourishes when you surrender to Him and you're just invested in Him. And so, putting our direction that way, God really made our chaos beautiful. And our story is not going to be a one of defeat or a victim. It's easy to be a victim and we're like, no, 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 no. God's in our life so we are victorious and we're going to move forward and we're going to see great things and it doesn't matter where our life started. Even more glory to God. God wants to God wants to use your life for His glory. So, God, you have a great opportunity, and I'm surrendered to you, so he's doing it. And we're excited to be a part of that.
5: Super. Yeah,
3: great. Good stuff. You know, just to tag on to what they said, in the Old Testament, God told the, the nation of Israel, he said when people forsake God and forsake his laws and walk away, he said there's a curse that's created that goes through the sixth and seventh generation. It's not as if God is throwing a curse. It's not what's happening there. It's the enemy that does that. But here's the point. Back in the 1980s and 1990s, we talked a lot about families being dysfunctional. You know what? Every family is dysfunctional. The very first family was dysfunctional. Uh, you know one of the boys killed the other brother, you know. I mean it's, there's been dysfunction really since the beginning. But what God was saying was in In generation to generation, we pass things to our children and they tend to carry it on or they come to a place where they come to the cross and they realize God can break this curse off of me, off of my life. He can stop this in my family. And like Corey was saying a moment ago, if you've got stuff in your background that you're carrying through, take it to the cross. Let God bring an end to that curse and move on and leave it behind because God wants you to live free from that. Okay? One of the One of the other challenges that most families, I think, are struggling with today is how do you get everything done in one week? Managing your time. And I think uh, Pastor Nick and Jessica are great examples of how you navigate that. Uh, They've got three children, they both have careers. He doesn't have a career, he has a calling. That's a little different. But uh, it, it takes more than just a career to answer a calling. But I want them to talk about how they manage their time with their and tell us about all the stuff that's going on with the kids and everything else.
7: Yeah. So we choose to word the word uh, full rather than busy. Um, we don't want to be busy doing things that we don't like or that aren't helpful or beneficial for our family. But we have a very full life. Uh, things that we love to do, whether that's to spend time as a family, whether that's to spend time in an activity uh, for a child or uh, pursue a passion. Um, So we have a very full life.
8: So a a small picture of what that full life looks like is every minute of every day is scheduled. (laughs) And I'm not joking. So I am a full-time teacher and I teach distance learning from home right now. Um, So I'm online with fifth graders. (laughs) Thanks. I'm online with fifth graders every single day while my third grader is in another room during school and my first grader is in another room during school. And during my recess break, I am nursing our infant and then going back to teaching, so um, our day time looks super full. Well, then as soon as the day is over, we have allergy shots to get to, we have gymnastics to get to, we have worship practice to get to, and oftentimes we're like ships passing in the wind, and. Um, It'll be, okay, I'm going to pull into the parking lot, and then I'm going to switch cars with you, and then I'm going to hand you the keys, and then you're going to take the kids because the baby's sleeping right now in the car, so you take my car, and I'll take your car, and we'll just switch. And And so then we get to the end of the day, and it's seven thirty, eight thirty at night, and um, we, we really try to be home and do dinner together and and then have that time together at the end of the night. So... Um,
7: We we have a couple of uh, rules. We try to never have more than three nights out in a week, whatever that may uh, look like. And then um, as we talk about scheduling, we would also consider like scheduling fun time, Uh, fun time with our kids that could be, hey, we're going to play on the Wii together or, hey, we're going to go ride the bikes to the park or those types of things. And, and, And not just to be on the go, but to be doing something purposeful and building relationships with our kids or, or relationships with other families who have kids. And so um, some things that help us just practically speaking uh, is sharing our calendars through our phone. Um, we color coordinate. So she's got a color that's things just for her that she's doing, which means, hey, you're the babysitter right now. Uh, <laughs> I have some things that I have to do. And, okay, that means she's babysitting right now. And then things that are just for our kids. Um, but we We like our lives. We love our life and and that we have full lives and that we're experiencing and getting to do a lot together.
8: And we're very intentional about the fact that we need to schedule that time for ourselves too. So like I have on the calendar, Jessica, spa day. That means he has the kids. Or he has on the calendar, Nick, playing basketball. So we're scheduling those those fun times, those down times that will feed into our life as well.
3: And you know, I, I appreciate the fact that Friday night... You know, I, I'm i on Instagram. I have Instagram just so I can make sure that none of them are saying dumb stuff online. You know? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I, I noticed that you guys had date night Friday night because Sunday's a little busy. Yes. So you did it Friday night. Yeah. It's a great example. of If you don't control your time, it's going to control you. Right. You know, that the tail will wag the dog if you're not careful there. And t- talk for a minute about personal time, the need for personal time, the importance of that.
9: Yeah, I think it's important, like you said, Jessica, scheduling that time for yourselves too, because life can become so consumed with all the responsibilities and you know everything that we do that um, if we don't schedule that time for ourselves, we're not as healthy as we could be. And um, I know for us, and everyone's different, but we both refuel by alone time. And I don't mean alone time together, which we want that too.
0: It's, it's leave me alone time. Yeah.
9: <laughs> <laughs> we both need our leave me alone time. <laughs> and so, you know, I'll I'll take time uh, try to take time for myself whether it's just going for a walk, clear my head, for you whether it's golf or whatever, but if we are intentional about taking that it makes us healthier happier individuals and therefore healthier happier spouses and just uh, all the way around yep yeah
3: and you know one of the things we want to talk about this morning we recognize not everybody in the room not everyone watching online is married some are young adults, not yet married. Some are in a middle place of life. You're in a transition time of life. Uh, maybe you've gone through a broken marriage. Maybe things have happened, whatever that might be. Uh, we want to talk about single relationships for a few mo- moments. And Zach, I want you to kind of chime in on this. Uh, how do you go about finding a spouse? I well, mean, we- it's, it, it's a miracle. Look at this. He found somebody. So, <laughs> you know, it happens somehow. It's true. Ashley should go first because we had talked about
2: how we wanted to share yeah, this. Yeah.
6: Um, well, if you want to know where, I met Zach at a roller skating rink in Orange County. So, um, Corey said not in the club. Not in the so, the roller skating the rink, rink, rink <laughs> is okay. It's kind of like <laughs> club for junior high. So, So but roller we skating rink. High. We weren't in junior we're high. We were way past. Um, no, honestly, I think, you know, a lot of times we're, when we're looking for a spouse, like we're seeking the hand of God. And I think first things first, are that we need to be seeking the face of God. We need to be finding God. And as we're finding God, we're finding ourselves and we're becoming the person that God wants us to be for that person that he has for us. And you know, a lot of times when we are in that season of, of being single and of um, just waiting really, in that waiting season, um, we get wrapped up in a lot of the questions of when's it going to happen, how's it going to happen, what's it going to look like, who, where are they going to be? You know, all of the things, and we worry and we become consumed with those questions. And honestly, those are questions that only God has the answer to. And so, when we find ourselves in that season, it's the perfect opportunity for us to walk out the verse in Proverbs three that says. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths
2: clear. Yeah, and we were talking about that. And a lot of us that, you know, we've been walking with God for a long time, we know that passage of Scripture, but our understanding tells us, is it too late? Is this ever going to happen? You know, how is it going to happen? Where is, the, Where am I going to meet that person? And those can be all the questions that we're asking. But the promise at the end of if we will do these things, the promises. I will direct your path. He will make your path straight. And I think sometimes what we forget, you know, the the short answer to the, or when it comes to asking that question, how do I find a spouse? How do I find a partner? I think clearly if you want to find, you have to search, right? But the question is, where are you searching? And when it comes to walking out the path that God has for us, I think sometimes we take for granted the reality that if I am doing everything I can to stay on the path that God has called me to walk down, there's a day coming if God has placed this desire in my heart to meet someone and it has not gone away and it just keeps growing stronger, there's a day coming where my path is going to intersect with someone else who's walking that path to the best of their ability also. And like Ashley said, I might not have the answer to the when of that question, but the thing I can control is what I'm doing with the now. And if I'm walking up that path, I have to trust that one day those paths are going to intersect. So... Yes, aligning yourself you know, in term, spiritually with God's word, with God's promises, and walking that out to the best of your ability is the way that you go about finding that person, but also where you're looking. You know, if, you, if you are planted in the house of God, like Amber said earlier, if you're in the right relationships, if you're surrounding yourself with the right people and pushing out the ones who don't need to be in your life, it's amazing how God will walk you into that intersection where you meet the person that
3: you've been praying for, whenever that might be.
0: Yeah. Definitely, yeah.
3: Corey? I know you deal with teenagers constantly. Uh, can you, or what do you tell teenagers, and not just for teenagers, but for other adults, about dating and walking out dating relationships in a godly manner?
5: First, I'll say it is okay to be single. Like, why do we look at singleness as if it's a negative? It's not. Um, but i also say, like, I'll tell, so for teenagers, if you are a teenager in the room, when are you ready to date? When your parents say you're ready to date. Uh, so. Okay. Let let them be a part of this part of your life. Um, But from teenager all the way through life, I would say this. um, Bouncing off of what Ashley said, seeking God's face, you'll never be right with a mate until you're right with your maker. So, man, like spend time in your relationship with God first. Second thing I would say is we make investments based on potential. You should choose a partner based on patterns, don't pick a partner based on potential. Oh, they have such a potential to be a godly man of such character and integrity. Well, is he? Is his patterns showing you this? Like, who is he hanging out with? Where is he spending his time? He's trying to take you on a date. Does he have a job? Like, <laughs> come on, you know. Um, but patterns are incredibly important. And then and then post that. Like, we. I've had so many teenagers, Corey. Like the best relationship advice I've ever been given, I guess, is don't, because I don't even know if you could date well, or is there a godly way to date? Say, yes, you can honor God in dating, and to me, a lot of that will come down to, will, will you be willing to put the godly boundaries in place to yeah. protect your integrity, their integrity, and both your relationships with God? It's
3: yep. good, and if I, if I could just throw one thing in on the, on the back of this, I know there's probably people online or in the room today, you've been through a broken marriage, you're out of that marriage, you've gone through a divorce, and you're trying to figure out, where do I go from here? One of the biggest mistakes that people make when they go through a broken marriage is they try to find someone to hurt, feel the hurt in their heart. And as a result, they wind up in a relationship, they wind up in bed with somebody they shouldn't be in bed with. And they wind up in a situation where they're drawing from somebody who has nothing to give them. Let me tell you something. If you've been through a broken relationship, you need to get your heart healed. Let God heal your heart first before you move on. Otherwise, you're carrying your baggage, expecting somebody else to fix it and carry it for you, and all it's going to do is create more mer- more problems in your next marriage. So you need to get your heart healed. Slow down, and I'll put it in my own words, as the other guys have already said, stay out of the bars. You won't find the person you're looking for there. Okay? Okay. Can I get one amen in the house? Yeah. All right. Okay, I thought I might. Uh, you know, we're running out of time. Let, let's do one more thing. Uh, Jessica and Nick, we'll start with you guys on this one. Uh, how does God and his word play a role in your marriage?
7: I think the Bible is the foundation for everything. It's our instructions and our, in our model of how we are to love each other Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage that gets referenced in our house, Uh, especially as Corey would say, there's aggressive negotiations taking place. Um, Because in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about all the things that love is. And there's been times where you're in the emotional moment and you're just not making sense. You're not going anywhere. And so one of us could read that scripture and then we're like, oh, yeah, I haven't been patient, I haven't been kind. Uh, yeah, I've I've been boasting or arrogant or what? Oh, okay. And then it just kind of is that reset button for us to think that through. Um, men, another passage that I would uh, ask that you would look at is Ephesians five. Um, it tells us that we're to love our our wives as Christ loved the church. And how did He love us? He gave His life for us. And that's what we should do for our spouse. We should lay down ourselves and and we should support them and love them and. Uh, There's a lot of great stuff in there. Also, for ladies, uh, uh, Proverbs 31, there's a lot of great material in there as well. So I think the Bible for us, even how we deal with our kids, everything, there's just lessons, there's things that we should model ourselves after.
8: Yeah, and like I said earlier, like making God the foundation of our house before we move any further than that, that's number one priority. And then going off of what Nick said in um, how wives should love your husbands it says the Bible says wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord and I'm so thankful that he loves me as Christ loves me and I can see a physical real-life tangible example of God's love in my husband and in the same way I can submit to my husband which doesn't mean lose my autonomy it doesn't mean lose my voice or my opinion it means come together in love come together and, and make a compromise, have an agreement, have a discussion, and and really come together on what you're doing um, in your life and, and with your choices. And so I will be happy to submit to my husband as unto the Lord because I submit to God's word and what God's word says to for my life. And so in that same manner, I'm going to apply that to my marriage
6: relationship. Yeah. Uh, f- for me, you know, as a Christian we're called to be Christ-like and so as a wife I have to ask myself How am I reflecting Jesus in our marriage? How am I reflecting Jesus on my husband? Am I loving him the way that Jesus has called me to love him? Am I supporting him the way that Jesus has called me to support him? Encouraging him, you know, helping carry weight, helping carry burdens, you know, the way that Jesus has called me. So that's just a good question for me to ask myself. Um, Just a good, like, kind of check-in question of, like, how am I reflecting Jesus in our marriage right now?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I really like what Jessica was just saying, not the submitting part, but just (laughs) joking. But, uh, you know, as we understand as Christian men that we are called to be the heads of our homes. But while that's a big responsibility rather than some sort of uh, power grab, it's co-leadership. We do this together. And each one of us, my wife and I both and all of you, we all have our own relationship with God. And so when I think about my relationship with God, it looks different in the way she walks hers out, as they were saying earlier. And I think one of the things that we find all the time is that each one of us are walking with God together. We have a lot of conversations, a lot of text messages, a lot of phone calls that go something like this. Hey, tonight we need to talk about this. Because each one of us will individually recognize the things, you know, through conviction or whatever it might be. Hey, we need, to, we need to get a hold of this. We need to make sure that we have this planned out. Make sure that we're on the right track here with this. And I know that um, each one of us, God will speak to us in different ways and it will bring us together. Um, when it comes to, you know, the word and prayer, like we will stop in the middle of whatever to pray about something. And we don't, we're unashamed to do that. We could be anywhere at any time. And if there's just a moment where we don't know or we feel uncertain or there's an unease, No, right now. Like, I don't care where we are. Let's stop and pray about this thing. And I think that coming back to that and keeping it at the very center will always keep you on the rails. Yeah,
5: Yeah, for me, the Word of God taught me how to be a husband when I didn't have any good examples uh, to be a husband. And the Word of God has been so life-giving. And and I I couldn't get my mind away from this. And so one of the things that the Word of God has taught us when we... Maybe we keep coming back to communication because we're like so messed up and we're just like always like arguing or something. I don't know. Um, but one of the wor- things the word of God taught us is like when we are at a crossroads where we can't agree, well, we go to the word of God. And let's just go with that. Regardless of what I feel about it, regardless of what you feel about it, we'll just go with the word of God. And sometimes what the word of God said is, says is you guys can't figure it out. Get with your pastors. Have them help you. And then all of a sudden, we have accountability and mentorship and pastorship in, over, our, uh, over our marriage. But, you know, for me, one of the things the word of God has done is um, it demands that I always get better. I'm not allowed to become complacent. I'm not allowed to become stagnant. Yeah. The word of God demands that as a husband, I am always getting better and better and better because I'm to look like Christ. Like Zach, Pastor Zach was saying, I'm to look like Christ in my relationship with my wife.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's an amazing adventure being married to Corey. Hey. And I find a, a great fulfillment. I'm serious, it's not funny, but yes, boy, it is an boy. adventure. It is wild, it is crazy, but it is amazing. And I feel so much fulfillment in our relationship and in our marriage. But what the word of God does is it reminds me that I can't find all of that in him.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: God is where I find my healing, my peace, my strength, my words that I that I hold on to. God's word is what gives me all that I need. And those deep Things that I need fulfilled in my life can only be fulfilled by God no matter how great this is. Yeah. And so that's really what God's word has done for yeah. me personally in our marriage.
5: So good. it's
9: good. The Bible is vital to every relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship, a dating relationship, or any other relationship. Because it gives us a standard. It gives us boundaries. It gives us wisdom and guidance for Every interaction we will have with people. So the word of God is vital. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And you know, last Sunday morning I talked a little bit about dealing with people. And one of the verses I referred to is in Philippians. Paul said, work out your salvation. Work out your relationship with God with fear and trembling. Honestly, sincerely work out your relationship with God. No two people have an exact same relationship with God because we're all different. We learn God's ways. We learn him, what we know about God, what we've experienced with God. It's different for all of us. But we also have a a responsibility to work out our marriages, our love toward each other with fear and trembling, I think, to really respect each other and honor each other and give each other what the other needs. And sometimes in the middle of that, you, you come to a place where it's like, God, I don't know what to do. That's a great place to be when you come to God and say, I don't know what to do because he'll tell you what to do. He will show you in his word and by his spirit, he'll lead you into what you need for that moment. And you know, in in conclusion this morning, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for every person. I wanna pray for every marriage, everybody who's here. I wanna pray for people who maybe have never really committed their hearts to God as well. But I wanna pray for you and I'm gonna ask you to just bow your heads for a moment. And just wrap your hearts around these prayers today, if you would. Father, I thank you today for your goodness, for your faithfulness in our lives. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is truth. I thank you that we've opened our hearts and we've shared practical things, but also a few spiritual nuggets along the way of how we can build happy marriages. Father, I I pray now for every family here, every husband and wife I pray for marriages that are in place that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, that something they heard today just kind of hit home with them and they realize I need to work on this or I need to apply this or I need to have a conversation with my spouse about this. God, touch our hearts today. Give us wisdom and direction for our relationships, for what we need to say, what we need to do to move forward from here that we can grow those relationships that husbands and wives can be healthy moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas, that we can raise up healthy children for the next generation that know your love and know how to love each other. And God, I pray for those who are not yet married, those who may not even be looking or or those who are looking today for a spouse. I pray that you would give them the right things in their heart, show them the pathway to walk, help them to walk that pathway until they are the person they need to be to have the person that makes them happy and brings happiness into their lives. God, guide our footsteps. Speak to us all today in Jesus' name. And then, Father, I pray for every person who's hearing this today, maybe in the building or watching online. Maybe there are some people who've never really committed their hearts to you, but they realize today that You love us so much, you even compare, you you care about our families and what's going on at home, and you want us to have happy, healthy families and marriages. But God, as people look to you right now, I believe there's some people who are saying, I need God's help. I need Jesus in my life. We recognize today that Jesus is the Son of God who died for our sins. You raised Him from the dead. We accept Jesus as our Savior, and we choose to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. God, we ask you to teach us your ways that we can follow you. We commit our lives to you today and we'll follow you all the days of our life. We thank you for loving us, receiving us, calling us into your family today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A couple of last things. If you today wrapped your heart around God and you, maybe for the first time ever you said, I need Jesus, I need God in my life, or maybe you've been running from God for a while and you realize it's time to come home, this is not the end of the journey with God. It's just the beginning. We want to help you on your journey. We've got a little gift, a tool we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. If you're watching online, you can just click, click on the app right there. It'll tell you how to get the information. If you're in the building today, Uh, after service is over we'll have prayer teams either down front to the side or off to the side if you just walk up to one of these teams and say can I get the booklet they'll give it to you right there I promise you this will help you start building your relationship with God if you're in a really big rush today on the way out right in the middle of the glass doors as you exit the lobby there's a counter set up there you can get the same booklet there it's our gift To you, and we just want to welcome you into God's family today. Can we welcome new members into God's family? God bless you today.